Hi, this is the Zane Lowe Interviews on Apple Podcasts, and I'm Zane Lowe. Zane Lowe, Apple Music. On this episode right here, it's a conversation that I had recently with a producer called John Bryan. John Bryan has been involved in making some of the most tasteful and brilliant albums in modern music history. But our focus in this particular conversation was not to speak for John, but I would say probably his most challenging project for the simple reason that he took the responsibility of finishing a record he'd started with one of the greatest artists of his generation who sadly passed away way too soon, the late great Mac Miller. Mac had talked about making new music whilst he was releasing his last album, Swimming, but no one was really sure what shape it was going to take because Mac was never going to talk about his music. He was going to put it out and let us all discover it and love it for what it's worth. So after his passing, when I got a phone call and I was asked to come and listen to this album, it was a surprise that A, it had been finished, and B, whilst I was listening to it, just how accomplished and ambitious and amazing it sounded in relation to everything Mac had done thus far. You could hear the beginnings of it in his most recent work, but this was such a giant leap forward in terms of songwriting, structure, and performance that it was actually a really moving and emotional experience. So when I sat down to talk with producer John Bryan, who lovingly helped complete the record that he'd started with Mac, that emotion carried through and made for you know a really honest and compelling conversation from two fans of Mac Miller about an album that hopefully if you're listening to this podcast, you've heard, absorbed and loved. And now you can find out how it came to be. This is my conversation with producer John Bryan about the creation of an incredible album called Circles. And it starts right now on Apple Podcasts. John Bryan, we're at Conway Recording Studios. It's really nice to finally meet you properly as a longtime Hello. fan of all of the amazing work you've done with artists, great music you've given me and millions of people around the world. It's nice to see you. When you put it that way, you're welcome. <laughs> John, we're here at Conway to talk about, um, this is an unusual situation, I think, for you. It's definitely an unusual situation for me and for everybody because this is a beautiful album that's been made by somebody who's sadly no longer here to celebrate it and talk us through it personally. And so we're left to carry that and maintain that role. Um, but I'm really happy that we can because it's an album that deserves to be discussed and talked about even just once. So uh, we're here to talk about Mac Miller's album Circles. And obviously it's, it's still very fresh, Mac's passing. And I, I guess the first thing to do is establish where we are. This is Conway Studios and Mac spent some time out here and loved yeah. it out here. And this is a really he special place. Do you have sort of a, a way you can kind of like an image of Mac in this particular place? What he was like in a recording space? What he was like when he was creating? Oh, he was super focused. One of his many great qualities. He was really, really wonderful in the studio. He had a few qualities about him in general that made the process of working nice. And the first one has nothing to do with his immense talent. He was kind. The kindness I'm talking about is deep and he really spread it equally everywhere he went. He's one of those people, and I've, I've met a few, where the instantaneous reaction of humans was that you pretty much fell in love with him instantly. If it was a friendship level, it was like, oh my God, I love that guy. He left the first night, and a guy I work with all the time who's seen so many people come and go. And I just said, man, I really like him. He's like, me too. 
What's great about it is when you listen to Swimming, you listen to Circles and you understand that really that you see a side of Mac on this album that we were never given a chance to see on stage or with him around us. And, you know, it's, as a body of work, it's going to really surprise and, and thrill people to hear him stretch out into songwriting the way he is. When he started playing you these songs as opposed to the ones that were the more emotional, rap-driven exercise that he went through on Swimming, what was your immediate reaction and, and what was his reaction playing it to you? Was he nervous singing and putting himself in the line like uh, this? Let's see. How can I put this correctly? He was nervous as f***. <laughs> and uh, he didn't have to be. He comes in and he plays five or six things the first night and I was floored because there was stuff that ended up on both albums. You know, there was more hip-hop leading stuff and it was great and funny and personal and the tracks were already pointing someplace interesting. And then, you know, after a couple of those, you go, I've got these art things I'm not sure what to do with. That was the tenor of the evening. And he'd lay one out, and I'd just go, that's great. And I kid you not, he, he looked up and went, really? I think he was extremely nervous about how, uh, what we could just call, you know, straight songwriting yeah. would be perceived. And it's a very naked thing, and I think people who do that full-time and put themselves out into the world doing that are, are filled with nerves about it. It's a common anxiety. Yeah, I think and it's for him it being new, it yeah, was like... Huge. Some of it is incredibly simple. Some of it doesn't have many elements. But that's the most complicated of all. To be able to dial it back to something that can draw you in without all the bells and whistles, distractions and coping yeah. is one of the hardest things. The lyrics on the album are stunning. Before we even fall into those cliches after someone's passed away, which I've been guilty of doing with Buckley and mm -hmm. Kurt and all these amazing mm -hmm. people, like, what does this mean? What does that mean? Let's just focus on the, the actual words, the phrasing and what he's saying, the stories and the, the personal reflection is just unbelievable. Yeah. Start with a song like Circles. The opening lyric is so beautifully self-aware and aware of others, which was two things I really loved about Mac he was aware of himself, but also very aware of everyone else in a loving way. Oh, God, yeah. And the opening line being, you know, well... And it's just even that, just, well... I mean, it's just so... <laughs> it's, it's probably one of the most poignant things he says on the whole yeah. album. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because it's kind of the meaning of life yeah, in a weird way. Well, you know, there it is. And, and he had that. Now, throughout all of his lyrics, his, his self-reflection is much more interesting than some other people's. And that's where the, the super brain power helped him. You know, I think if he decided to write something honestly about himself, if it was him being angry or confused about an aspect of himself, he wrote that. You know, it wasn't platitudes. Uh, he wasn't in the midst of selling himself in the act of writing lyrics. And I know a ton of people who do that. He did not. So I think saying like Circles and a few other songs on this record, you hear him acknowledging aspects of himself, either that he doesn't feel capable of changing, things he thinks are questionable, things you'll hear in the lyrics directly when, yeah, I'm this way and I think other people might not understand how I 
think, but actually I'm okay with that. Like it's so, it's, it's so pointed. So Literally. pointed. That emotion you're talking about of somebody's, you know, I know people who are really obsessed with novels and first lines of novels and they talk about it and look, oh, what's the you know, first line of lyric on the thing? Really, not self-conscious, just like, well, okay, here, here goes. I mean, it's, it's a powerful way to open the album. You know, it's also a beautifully arranged piece of music that doesn't over-deliver. Oh, well, that, and let me tell you, that is, uh, that's what he played me. I added a, a brush on a cymbal and a vibraphone. Wow. So you have to understand, like, picture it in my head. I meet a kid. I like him. He comes over. Oh, he's nice and funny. Okay, this is cool. Oh, he seems kind of smart. Let's see if that's true. Starts playing things, and things like that come up. I was just 100% in from the get-go. How much of your responsibility, and I use that word deliberately, not as a friend or as a colleague, but as a producer, was how much of that during the process did you have to encourage him to keep going? Because it sounds like you recognized in him the ability that he was just recognizing in process. That I absolutely did self-consciously, but only because I could see his nervousness. You know, when he'd play me something that wasn't hip-hop based, he'd get a little quieter, the lips might purse a bit, get a little more nervous, almost pace a little bit. It's like, well, you know, I've got this other thing. And, you know, when he said something like that, I was all ears, like, yeah, yeah. oh, this is probably going to be good. And he'd play it. And the thing I can tell you I did consciously, and it was quite open, was just saying, yeah, that's good. And he would go, really? I'm like, yeah. And I'd have to really dig in. Later, I find out, you know, it was part of his thing in seeking me out, was that he was leaning in this song-based direction. I think he hoped it was good, and he wanted to find somebody who could live in both worlds. If it was a hip-hop thing, that I'd be psyched, and if it was a personalized thing, I'd be psyched, and I was. When you think about a song like Complicated, and I'm assuming that that had some flesh and bone to it as well, and mm -hmm. you know he brought the ideas and the yeah, musicality and the arrangement really and the structure. There. Yeah. So you were there while he recorded the vocal and, and helped him find the tone of that song? No, I think that vocal was done, if I recall. He'd play me things in various states. He'd play things, and I might just go, that's great. All, all it needs is for the low end to be a little better. And I swear to God, I'm not making this up. Almost every time I'd make a suggestion like that, he'd go, oh, like, I'm so glad you said that. I just didn't know how to do it with this type of thing. And I'd say, oh, I've got a thing that'll do it and here. And he'd get really excited. He's like, oh, I couldn't get that at home or with this other person. Can you give us an example of a song where you were more involved in the arrangement and helping him flesh it out and find it's true? I mean, good news would probably be the most blatant Example. So what was that when you brought it in? It was him singing over a very minimal track. And I said, I thought the lyrics were incredible. Mm. It didn't have the chorus yet. And I'm like, the track was just sort of meandering. It wasn't like the other ones where it was great. And I just said, I, like, I love what you're saying. Mm. I think that's really cool. And 
he just said, I just think you should play a bunch of stuff on it. Okay, well, I'm going to play. And every time you hear something you like, let me know. And then I did with him what I've done with a bunch of directors, which is watch the body language. You know when somebody's happy or not. Yeah. And uh, Yeah, step outside of yourself for long enough to be able to recognize what the room is feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So once we settled on a chord change, then we started going to town with basic structure. And he came into the control room and he was really excited. He's like, this is great. I love this. I'm like, I'm really into it too. And he started singing over it in the control room and he sang the chorus of good news. And I look up and go, that's great. Go run onto the mic. He's like, uh, really? Same thing. I swear to God. He said, really? I'm like, yes, that's, that's the chorus. And then he really was like, taken aback. He's like, I don't know, I was thinking maybe this could be some other song. And a very rare moment of taking the chance on changing the vibe. (laughs) Just went, no, you're wrong. That's the chorus. Go sing it. If you hate it later and we want to argue about it, fine, but go do that. I'm like, that makes perfect sense with everything these other lyrics are about and your combination of self-awareness and how you worry certain things about you will be perceived that's perfect. And at this moment in time, in this world where everybody's Twitter and Instagram self-aware as opposed to human yeah. self-aware. Yeah. Um, Distracting ourselves with nothing but fake for good news. Yeah. yeah. Or, as the verses talk about the misfortune of others yeah. also being considered delightful entertainment. Yeah. Thank God he lived with it, you know, and saw the sense in it. Again, that's not something I created. That's something he was doing, and I was only asking him to recognize that it was already great. Mm. I think I did say to him when he was walking around in front of the speakers and he was singing that, I'm like, look, there's a reason that came to you right now. Yeah, yeah, tap, you tap, tap into it. Yeah. One of the songs that really stands out in terms of his ambition to be a songwriter beyond in this environment and continue to grow is... Um, that's on me, which has like got this really oh. kind of timeless waltz to it and very sort of, it's, it's got this kind of very knowing, self-aware, Matt Miller lyrical bend to it. The music itself is actually very mature and, and has an almost 60s, 70s bend to it. Um, oh, it has a very uh, back rack, Neil Young. Uh, people usually say beatily when they hear it. Do you have a story about that particular song where you played it to you or whatever? Because it's just, it stands out so much on the record even as just one isolated moment. Well, that was... Uh, what I know, he had come back from Hawaii. I was sideswiped by the song and the feeling of it. And so I was like, eh, I think there's a problem with the drum sound. I said, I loved the piano. I could double that with some of the old uprights I have. He's like, oh, that, am I honest with you? This is what he usually said. Oh, you should just play everything. I'm like, no. <laughs> you keep playing with this stuff. I know you can play, so no. And uh, I eventually developed a little system where the compromise was, okay, tell you what, I'll play bass as long as you do as well. And so I'd pick a bass that was voiced a little higher and play in baritone range and then hand him something that had really beefy low end. And I'd set it up so we could each sort of be in front of one of the speakers and I'd pan them. So it was like we each had our own little amp, but we're listening to the same song and face each other and play. And we'd do that on guitar and bass and 
Um, and it was great fun. And inevitably, he'd finish a take and say, was that all right? And all I could do is honestly go, yeah, it was great. I'm having a blast. So the majority of the musicianship on Circles is Mac. Oh, God, yeah. Wow. I want to get back to the lyrics, John, because yeah. I, there are so Please. many amazing moments on the record. And as someone who spent so much time lovingly putting, finishing this record to, to the point where we get it, um, you've lived with these songs now, you've listened to these words over and over again, and you've, you've lovingly arranged around them. Is there a moment, a, a line or a word or a song or a chorus or anything that really jumped out of you that made you think, wow, this kid just, he nailed it on this one? Or... This is going to sound like such a bullshit answer. But it's the truth. Mm-hmm. All of it. Mm. He was for real. He was good, you know, genuinely. As a person, as a person who made work, as a person who wanted to make stuff, he had the desire to communicate for real in his work. You know, he had gotten to the flashy thing and been quite successful at it early. So he had already crossed the threshold into something being, you know, personal and real and understandable was more important than it being impressive. Yeah. Some people never cross that threshold, ever. Everything that's on the record, I can get behind lyrically. There's moment of insight in every song, every damn bit. Well, he's not here to have the conversation about the lyrics or the words, and you didn't write them, but you were with him. Was there a song in particular on the record that he was most vulnerable about or? All of them. Yeah. You could mention any song and we could point at a verse and it's got something really lovely in it. I can see, which yeah. I just, I mean, talk about, you know, you know, one of lyrics, how about every single lyric in that? I honest to God am behind every damn one. How do you come to terms with the track listing when Mac's not here to sort of help pull that all together? It's not fair to give words to the heaviness of it. So I'm not gonna. But I, I can tell you that the week I had to listen through stuff was a torture and a delight. And torture because of the loss and then occasionally saying like, I can see would come up. And I'd be beyond delighted because I'm like, this is good by anybody's standards in any genre. This human being expressing themselves well. Um, Love the track. And then it would turn back to a torture because you're like, oh my God, and you were capable of that. I didn't even get to hear that one yet. Mm. Did you see in Mac's eyes, did you see that he saw it? Did, yeah. Did he know what he had? When, when you paused on the Oh, project. I think he did. I don't think his self-consciousness was that he thought it was bad. I think his self-consciousness was he wasn't sure if other people would recognize it. Mm. But especially coming from what he knew the world's awareness of him was to this stuff, I don't blame him for being self-conscious. You know, dangerous career move. It's all sorts of things that made me love him more personally. That's an important reflection because I think when people hear this record and they consider the fact, and especially as time moves on and 
the reality distorts. People will think this album is a reflection of where he was at mentally, and it was all a precursor to some kind of doomsday ending. And it's like I, I just didn't get that impression Not from him when I met him the last time. He was in such a great all. place, and he was so happy, and he was productive and creative. And it wasn't even slightly yeah that environment. In fact, one of the greatest pieces of depression I had not long after getting over the shock, I found myself thinking about something that I realized, oh, like, need to combine uh, this instrument, but with an orchestra, but in a track that does this. And some little part of me was like, oh, can't wait to tell Mac that. Caught it, was very upset, but the upset reaches special new level. And for me, that level is, it's something I hadn't admitted to myself. I already had plans about the future involving him. Like really, the environment wasn't impending doom. And as all that stuff hit me, there was a, a second loss. I found myself having to admit to myself that I'd already been making combinations in my head to present to him, to surprise him with, because I knew, oh, I'd finally met a person who could rise to any of those occasions. I was, I was absolutely certain of it. I was, I was more excited about him than I've been in quite some time. I really appreciated your honesty and reflection on this process. I, I know it's tough and. The, the music. There's no winning move here. And there's no, I, no, I get it. But to be able to have some kind of reflection about this body of work is, uh, it, 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 it's good. It's great. It's not mine. I just loved um, him, and it, you know, we're in luck sitting here that he was yeah. actually great, and I don't have to yeah. make anything up. Why is "Once a Day" the last song on the album? I'll tell you why it's the last song on the record. Because I got one listen through. When he walked in the room, I suggested the instrument. I went through the rigmarole to get him to play it. And I did what I thought was the right production decision. I left the room, but I didn't close the door. I, I didn't leave, not even slightly. And I stood in the door, basically a room and a half away from the control room with the control room door open. And he started playing, and the vocal was coming out, and I wasn't having to be in the room and do any work. And he did a pass, and I could hear there was something on the keyboard needed adjustment, like it needed to be brighter or darker. And I just sort of came running in. It's like, oh, sorry, just one thing. And I went over to one dial and turned it a little bit. Sorry, didn't make Just keep going. I'm fine. Boom. And I went back out, and I stood in the hallway. And I listened to a couple of takes, and... Uh, I bawled my eyes out. I kind of poked my head around the door and said, oh, I heard a little bit of that. That sounds good. Just do a double of that keyboard. Just right now while it sounds up. Okay, cool. Boom. Ran out into the hallway and cried again and dried my eyes out and went back in and sat through the usual, was that good? Are you sure you shouldn't just play it? I'm like, I love that. That's great. That was just killing me. It's like, and he insisted I play a little bit, and there's some little random odd sounds, because I refused to play musically on it, because it was already great. I could hear it was there. So that's why it's there, because it's what happened, it's what I saw, and I just think it's 
great and doesn't need any qualifiers, personally. Not every conversation is going to be fun. Not every conversation is going to be easy. Sometimes you have to cover ground which feels sensitive and emotional. But to be able to have a conversation with John Bryan, who was so involved in the late great Mac Miller's recent work, it was a privilege to be able to get some insight and to share that. And hopefully you enjoyed it. That was my conversation with John Bryan about the making and completion of Mac Miller's album Circles right here on Apple Podcasts. Okay, so there's another episode, another conversation just around the corner, but life moves fast and we get distracted. So if you don't want to miss it, make sure you subscribe right here and it will show up just like magic. Until then, take care.